Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you are involved with a PBS or community access television station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today, we're going to be focusing on the proliferation of nuclear weapons. My guest is an expert on this topic. Mr. Jonathan Granoff is the current president of the Global Security Institute. Along with this position, he's also involved with a wide range of other very important organizations. Jonathan Granoff, welcome to today's Global Connections program. It's my pleasure, Bill. Thank you. Jonathan, thank you so much. You've got so many different groups. Let's start off just with the Global Security Institute, then we're going to talk about the Nobel Peace uh, laureates yeah. that you've been involved yeah. with. So yeah. let's, well, first off, what is the goal of the uh, Global Security Institute? Well, the Global Security Institute was started at a meeting with uh, Senator Alan Cranston, Mikhail Gorbachev, myself, and uh, General Lee Butler, who had been in charge of the entire uh, targeting and readiness of the U.S. nuclear arsenal. We met in the 1990s uh, at the State of the World Forum and decided that there should be an organization focused on promoting the rule of law and the principle of the abolition of nuclear weapons. And, uh, and so it was really centered around Senator Cranston's motto, nuclear weapons are unworthy of civilization. And he was passionate about that issue, having met with Albert Einstein uh, in, in the early 1950s and Albert Einstein personally explaining to him the incompatibility of using nuclear weapons to pursue security and believing that they would never be used. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the principle of the organization. It has a, one of the programs as Parliamentarians for Nuclear Nonproliferation and Disarmament, which is now in, I think, over 70 countries, about 800 parliamentarians, multiple parties, who understand that nuclear weapons by accident, design, or madness could be used. We've come very close to using them several times, many times actually from computer errors and human errors. And that we need to put the principle of the elimination of the nuclear weapons front and center in the public debate. And in today's world right now, there's hardly any other issue that looms with such imminence and magnitude. And uh, apropos of your question, each year since 2000, when Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, may he rest in peace, saw the value of bringing the Nobel Peace Prize winners together. There's been a summit of the winners of the Nobel Peace Prize and they've been strategic. So for example, uh, we had one a few years ago in Colombia to support President Santos, uh, a Nobel Peace Laureate winner in his work to stop the civil war in his country. We did one in Barcelona to address the uh, the refugee crisis in uh, in Europe, and each of them has uh, ha- one of them was in Hiroshima, obviously. And the Nobel Peace laureates are probably the most powerful moral voice on the planet collectively. The next summit's going to be in South Korea, for example, right on the border of North Korea. 
And at each of them, there's a very powerful consensus agenda that they create that is presented to the world. And um, the, it is in essence, a comprehensive human security agenda. The other group that I'm very involved with is the World, world Academy of Arts and Science, which, uh, uh, which was be begun by uh, Albert Einstein and Bertrand Russell when they saw that they saw that each of the major countries of the world has a National Academy of Science. And they both realized that in the nuclear age, uh, that science and technology would be spawning many, many dangerous devices, not just nuclear, but other devices. And there needed to be some organization that would have the arts of law, arts of diplomacy, arts of beauty, arts of philosophy. So Bertrand Russell and Einstein started this very prestigious organization. And this organization is committed uh, as its main program to advancing the UN's agenda on human security, which I hope we get to talk about as we go forward this morning. We, we certainly will. Just a couple of observations on what you've mentioned up to this point. You mentioned Albert Einstein, and as I recall, I don't remember the exact quote, but he referenced that if we fought World War III with nuclear weapons, we'd be fighting World War IV with sticks and stones because the rubble would be all that would be left. And that certainly sounds very apropos to the disaster that could be imminent. Also, I want to mention, Jonathan, your website at uh, gsinstitute.org for our viewers who would like to go to get further information. A couple of items too. Well, first off, let's talk about a few basics. There Are there still nine countries that have nuclear weapons that we know of? And how many nukes are there in the world today? Well, go backwards. There's, there's a little over 13,000 nuclear weapons in the world today. Um, it's important to note that when Gorbachev and Reagan met in 1985 in Geneva, there were over 60,000. And they committed, they, 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 they said clearly, a nuclear war cannot be won and therefore must never be fought. They also said that neither country would seek military advantage over the other. Those principles led to a process of arms control that's been very successful, that has diminished the arsenals by considerable, considerable magnitude. So we went from over 65,000 to now less than 14,000. There are nine countries with the weapons, the five permanent members of the Security Council, Russia, China, France, the United Kingdom, and the United States. The United States and Russia have over 95% of the world's arsenal. That's considerable. The other, the other seven nations with the weapons have much, much smaller arsenals. China has a much smaller arsenal. Now, there are four countries that are not in the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, unlike the P5. The Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty has every nation in the world in it but except for India, Pakistan, Israel, and North Korea. And that treaty has a disarmament obligation in it. So the P5, Russia, the United States, the United Kingdom, France, and China have pledged to negotiate the elimination of the weapons in exchange for the rest of the world not developing the weapons. And the rest of the world has abided by that. There's been very, very, very small, cheat, small number of cheaters got caught like Iraq, for example. And uh, uh, the, the present status of that treaty and all treaties, I would say, 
is very much at risk. So we're at a moment of global hazard that has not been of this magnitude since the crisis of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So we're at a very hazardous moment right now. We certainly are. And as you mentioned, there have been several almost accidents where there was a nuclear exchange between generally the U.S. and the, Soviet, the old Soviet Union or current day Russia. I'm just curious, the Non-Proliferation Treaty, you mentioned this a moment ago, and of course this has been sort of the, the keystone, I guess, of trying to bring the countries together to reduce their nuclear weapons. The Non-Proliferation Treaty, they do a review, is it every five years, and they just met in August. Uh, what came out of that NPT discussion? Well, I was there for the, so part of the bargain of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, which entered into force under the administration of Richard Nixon, was, uh, was that every five years it would be reviewed. But that after 25 years, it would be determined whether it would be extended indefinitely, terminated, or extended for a period of time. So in 1995, there was a extension conference in which it was extended indefinitely but the countries without the weapons negotiated a promise by the nuclear weapon states that every five years they would review their progress on disarmament so, uh, and the other elements of the treaty. Uh, so there was a review conference in 2000 in which the nuclear weapon states agreed to an unequivocal undertaking to move toward elimination, a test ban treaty, a, to negotiate a treaty uh, uh, to uh, end the further production of nuclear capable fissile material, lowering the status of the weapons politically and operationally. Then again, in 2010, a series of other threat reducing, security enhancing steps were agreed upon, but these steps have not been fulfilled. That's the problem. So in 2022, it was supposed to be in 2000, would have been the five year cycle, it got postponed because of COVID. So in August of this year, the states parties met in the General Assembly of the UN and, uh, and negotiated a very good document. It called for continuing the START process, lowering the number, um, lowering, the, lowering the status of the weapons, et cetera. But over the issue of the nuclear plant in Ukraine, uh, the consensus, and this treaty operates by consensus, the consensus was broken, Russia, refused to accept any constraints and mention of, uh, of the nuclear plant that they have seized in the Ukraine. Consensus was not reached over that issue. And over that one nuclear energy plant, the risk to the whole world of nuclear annihilation uh, is held up. It, the, the risk is increased and progress is held up. And cynicism uh, toward uh, the rule of law, cynicism toward the currency of the realm to bring progress, which is trust, cynicism toward the UN system was amplified by the conduct of Russia. I'm very sorry to say, it was a very, very disappointing experience. What, what can be done to help change that condition to make Russia become more of a team player on this and to realize how really dangerous, potentially dangerous this is? Well, they know how dangerous it is. Um, yeah, sure, yes. But we don't know, I certainly don't know the psychological state of its unilateral leader, Vladimir Putin. Um, mm -hmm. it, 
they are not operating under the normal rules. I mean, his diplomats did not know that they were going to invade Ukraine. Up, you know, up to the week before, he was saying that they weren't going to do it. Um, they know very well that the use of nuclear weapons would could end civilization, and but they're playing fast and loose with threats. And uh, God forbid we should have a computer error or a similar uh, problem as as it happened in the past during this highly intense war that's going on. Um, let me remind you, in, in, in 1983, there was a, uh, all the computers in the Soviet Union indicated a full-scale American launch. And one man, Stanislav Petrov, did not pass the information on that he observed monitoring the computers um, up the command and control because he knew that that would have released about 11,000 nuclear bombs on the United States and ended, ended civilization by virtue of creating a nuclear winter. Um, the problem was that it was a unique cloud formation. It appeared to be missile launches. Um, I asked him what gave you the, what gave you the courage uh, and humility to disobey your orders. And he said that he was a computer engineer and computers made mistakes. And he said, God told him he didn't want the world to end. And then he told me that his superiors were, didn't know whether to reward him for saving the world or punish him for violating his protocols. But he said they were most angry that he that he that he evidenced a belief in God. Uh, Bill Perry, uh, former Secretary of Defense of the United States, told me about a computer chip in one of our satellites that that read that read the not a cloud formation but a sunrise wrong looked like a launch, and uh, we checked he checked the uh, the radar facilities said there was nothing nothing happening so he he didn't pass it along. Uh, to the president. We came very close. And we came know, very, very close. An instance in which, there's an instance in which uh, in North Carolina, a B-52 uh, broke and dropped a uh, multi-megaton multi bomb on North Carolina and six out of seven of the safety devices failed. Thank God it didn't, it didn't go critical and blow up. Um, there've been dozens of these sorts of mishaps. Uh, exactly. The, 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 there was a, a weather satellite launched off the coast of Norway in 1995, under the Cold War, and the Norwegians told the Russians that they were doing it, but it didn't get passed up the ladder. And Boris Yeltsin was told that uh, he had a few minutes to decide whether to launch the uh, Russian arsenal, because this looked like a trident launch that was going to go and have an electromagnetic explosion over uh, Moscow. Uh, thank God, uh, he said that he that he wasn't afraid because he, he knew Bill Clinton. But uh, in, in each of these instances, it was a human being that made a decision that saved us all. What if, what if that human being made a mistake? And there were mistakes. There were mistakes in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Our Joint Chiefs of Staff in the United States wanted to invade Cuba. We now know that the, we now know that the, uh, that the, that the, uh, that the field commanders in Cuba had authority to launch, and had they been attacked, they would have launched, and we wouldn't be here today. We came, we just came so close. So we can't play with these weapons anymore. No, we can't. We no, we've reached a point where we cannot do that anymore. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www. GlobalConnectionsTelevision.com to view previous programs. 
Also, if you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or you have a website, or you just have a computer, and you like our shows and you would like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're talking with Mr. Jonathan Branoff, who is an expert on nuclear proliferation. Jonathan, it, uh, it's just, when we think of problems today, I, I guess the majority of the folks, the scientists, the perhaps politicians, are perhaps in agreement, or a large number of them, that our number one problem is climate change and the way the planet is deteriorating quite, really quite drastically. Uh, some other people are very concerned about the attacks on democracy in the United States and several countries around the world. But nuclear proliferation has to be up there because this is the sword of Damocles that hangs over our head every day and we don't realize it. What, what suggestions would you make? You're an expert in this area. Uh, what um, four or five suggestions would you make to help us to reduce this threat and to make people more aware of how potentially devastating this is, and we're not going to survive a nuclear exchange in all probability. Well, I think that it's incumbent on our political leaders uh, to be challenged by every citizen and ask three questions. What are you doing to eliminate poverty, which is now easily eliminatable? If a small portion of the $32 trillion that the world has spent on armaments since 2000, $32 trillion, grasp that amount of money since 2000 was devoted to eliminating poverty, a small portion of that would, would do that. What are you doing to protect the climate? We all depend on the health of the oceans, uh, which depends on the, uh, the alkaline acidic balance because 50% of our oxygen comes from the phytoplankton in the oceans. We're putting that at risk by changing the climate of the planet. We're putting the very regenerative processes of nature at risk cutting down rainforests faster than they're uh, replenishing. And that of course exacerbates social tensions. And then what are you doing to eliminate nuclear weapons? There's a legal duty to do so under the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. Ronald Reagan of course led the effort to abolish them and accomplished a great deal in that regard. Richard Nixon brought us the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. It's not a Republican or Democrat issue, it's a smart dumb issue. What are you doing? That We should be pressing our politicians to do that. And our leaders have to educate the public that not only uh, clearly a full out nuclear exchange would undoubtedly wipe out the human, uh, the human blessing that the creator has given us, but even a relatively small exchange between say Pakistan and India would throw uh, at least five, six uh, million tons of soot into the stratosphere and would so uh, uh, adversely impact the climate of the planet that uh, the, the, the new science is telling us that at least two or three billion people would uh, starve and civilization as we know it would certainly not survive. So that any use of these weapons is patently immoral, uh, illegal, uh, violating international humanitarian law and utterly irrational. So the president of the United States ran on a ticket that the sole purpose of the weapons uh, is to prevent them from being used. That was essentially Ronald Reagan's equation. We should adopt that policy. It's a no first use policy. And we should be putting that before the Security Council of the United Nations that, that, that nations with the weapons 
um, pledge never to use them first. Uh, well, that, that's not just a pledge, that would change operational status. Weapons that you have that are first strike weapons would be eliminated. That would make us all a lot safer. And immediately uh, segregate the nuclear issue from all other issues because we're all in this one together, no matter whose flag flies over the Ukraine and commence negotiations on lowering the risk and moving toward a nuclear weapons free world. That is something that, uh, that, should, that's, that the International Court of Justice has unanimously agreed needs to be done. There is a treaty banning nuclear weapons. Uh, uh, the nuclear weapon states uh, don't want to sign that treaty, but it's incumbent upon them to come up with another route toward a safer world. Presently, it is the policy of both Russia and the United States to be able to use nuclear weapons first. This, is, this, is, this I believe, is dangerous and wrong. I think that uh, President Biden should go back to the pledge that he made when he was running for office and push to, uh, to ensure that nuclear weapons are not used first. And even if the United States made a unilateral pledge that we will not use them first and challenge other countries, that would still be very good. The, um, the belief, the belief that security is enhanced by modernizing and making the weapons more effective is foolish. The more these weapons are perfected, the less security we obtain. The biggest price of these weapons is not the trillions. By the way, our, the, as a citizen of the United States, my government has pledged over $1.7 trillion to modernize the arsenal. And this arms race, it's a new arms race in making the weapons more modern. Uh, this is foolhardy. This is the wrong direction. We should be going in the direction of recognizing our collective fate. Our, the fact is we need human security. No nation or group of nations can protect the climate. It means the whole human family is necessary for that. No nation or group of nations can protect the oceans and we depend on the health of the oceans. We need a human security approach to that. The pandemic that, we've, that we're all facing today uh, doesn't carry, doesn't carry a passport. Uh, we need a human security approach to these issues. Mm -hmm. Daily life of people is affected by these issues that transcend nationalism and militarism. The wise since time immemorial have told us the human family is one. That has been a spiritual and uh, a spiritual and moral aspiration to have that, that treating others as one wants to be treated. That spiritual admonition has now become a practical necessity. The idea that we can institutionalize adversity by threatening to annihilate the very future of humanity and thus improve our condition has to be put in the dustbin of history. The mm -hmm. fact that we live from that image of outer space in one very fragile planet in the infinite, infinite majestic universe should compel us to see our common interests and put them first. That's the long, that's the long game. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. That changes the framework. The short game is we have to stop this war in the Ukraine. We have to make sure nuclear weapons are not used there. And we have to find a way of improving our relations so that no country feels threatened. Presently, this war is a true, present, short-term hazard to us all. It must be contained and we must make sure that nukes are not introduced into the conflict. Jonathan Granoff, you, that was a perfect summation of what we've been talking about for the last 24 minutes. Perfect. I want to thank you and thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. Bill, thank you for 
thank you for putting forward not just myself, but many people who actually are thinking seriously about what's true and thinking seriously about what is of benefit to the common good. Too much of our political discourse has become um, uh, diluted by the pornography of the trivial. And it's of great value to have journalists like yourself putting on a subject matter that matters. And, um, and I'm not ashamed to say that truth matters because without truth, we can't really love each other. It's, it certainly does. And thank you for your kind words and keep up the good work, Jonathan. You too, Bill. Thank you. Okay. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.